Hi, everybody. Welcome to Taiwan Talk, brought to you by ICRT FM 100.7. I'm your host, Alex Lewis. This week, I spoke to Hal Falls, a friend of mine from a running group that we run with. Hal has been living in Taiwan for a time, and as with most people who have been around a while, they have interesting stories and perspectives to share. In our conversation, Hal will share what brought him to Taiwan in the first place and how he spent his time here professionally up until now. He is currently the general manager of the Miali Wind Company, and he has some insightful comments about Taiwan's push to develop offshore wind energy in the hopes to wean itself off of fossil fuels and nuclear energy. I hope you enjoy listening to the conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Hal Falls, welcome to Taiwan Talk.、Um, how are you doing, man? Good, very good. All right, very cool. We're going to talk about your、uh, company, the Miali Wind Company. But、uh, first, tell me about you know what brought you to Taiwan.、Uh, <laughs> it's kind of controversial, right? Is、uh, it? Well, yeah. I, I mean, I first came to Taiwan in nineteen. 83 to, to work on the Monsan Nuclear Station、mm-hmm. uh, down in Kenting. Okay, tell me about that. Well, I was former Navy uh, submarines, mm-hmm. uh, nuclear submarines, and when I got out,、uh, well, from submarines, the, the Navy sent me to a training center to teach people how to operate、uh, nuclear facilities on submarines.、Mm-hmm. And that was four years when I got out of that. Westinghouse hired me directly. To teach people how to operate、uh, commercial stations. And one of my classes was upper management people from, from Thai Power. And after the class was over, they, they asked my bosses if I could be sent to, to、uh, Kenting to help teach and, and be like an operations supervisor in the control room.、Mm-hmm. And I jumped on it. I mean, shoot, man, who wouldn't? Yeah. But I mean, back then, I mean, was Taiwan like well known? Did you know about Taiwan as like the culture? And, you, you know, know it's, real, it's really crazy, Alex, because in the,、uh, I'm, I'm dating myself here. <laughs>、um, back, in the, back in the 70s,、uh, when I was already in the Navy, I went to the Field Museum in Chicago and the Republic of China, Taiwan, at the time they, they called themselves Republic of China. They were, doing, they were doing dances and performances、uh, and cultural training or cultural events、uh, at the Field Museum. And I was watching it and I really became fascinated with Taiwan at that time. And I, and I told my wife that, ooh, I really want to go. I, I would really like to see Taiwan. So、uh, just when this opportunity came up, I said, yeah, I'll take it. I'm, go- I'm gone. I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. So I spent. Two years living down in Kenting in the early 80s.、Mm. And what was, the, what was Kenting like back empty, in the 80s? Empty. <laughs> I mean, I'd get up every morning and run on, the, run on the road. And it was like brand new four lane highway. There w a s typically dead snakes in the middle of the road and goats eating all the newly planted palm trees that they're trying to grow. And that was basically it. Every once in a while, there might be a car. There w a s no hotels, there w a s no restaurants. It was still martial law, so we really weren't allowed to use the swimming beaches.、Mm. So it was kind of isolated. How'd you pass your time?、Like、working, run, working. Working and running. And- yeah, working, but you know, I had my, my wife and daughter down there, and they had a school set up,、um, like an international school for first, first through eight, or K through eight,、mm-hmm. for all the expats that live down there. They, if you drive down there on the right hand side just before you get to Nanwan. Mm-hmm. You'll see a housing complex. 
And that's where you used to live? That's where we used to live, yeah. Okay. In, in 1980, what, early 80s, Three, right? 83 and 84. Okay. And did you stay in Taiwan or did you uh, tell me the story from there? Well, they sent me to South Korea from there. And then they sent me to uh, the Philippines. Um, and then I went back to the USA for a while. And, and then I got sent back to Taiwan in 1992 to Taipei to help build a desktop simulator about the size of the studio for doing training and testing on uh, what what they call major incidents. For Thai uh, Power? For Thai Power, for the mm. same power station. Mm. So it was all computer-based, but they needed somebody to just help test it and make sure that it was fairly realistic. Right. So I got sent back. That was in 1992. They said you'd be there for a year, and after 10 months, they said it's time to go back to the States. And I said, nah, I'm staying. <laughs> all right. So did you have to quit your job to stay here? Yeah, or? I did. I, I quit. I just, I just quit. I yeah. mean, I really enjoyed being in Taipei. I really enjoyed being in Taiwan. Uh, so I just, I just quit and stayed. Wow. I mean, job prospects or anything like that, or no. any pushback from your family, like your wife and your and your daughter? Uh, no. But it was really interesting. I went back to, I went back to uh, the USA for Christmas uh, the next year. Mm-hmm. I think that was like in '93. And I said, you know, I've just been doing some part-time stuff in Taiwan and, and maybe maybe I'll just stay in the United States. And I was just kind of clowning around. And so I, I opened the, the Phoenix, whatever it was, newspaper and mm-hmm. going through the WAN ads. And there was, a, there was an ad in there. It said, the state of Arizona is looking for a director for their, for their international trade office representing Asia located in the Taipei World Trade Center. No way. Oh, yeah, way. Oh. Wait, so I said, well, that's my job. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Closed oh. up the newspaper and I went down to um, I went down to the Capitol building mm-hmm. and uh, I got an application. And because everything is state and it's and it's open for review, so I went through I went back into the records files and I went through all the uh, people who had interviewed for the jobs previously and why they got selected or why they didn't get selected. And I took out the stuff I liked and put in the stuff that they liked and uh-huh. yeah, I submitted it and got shortlisted and ended up getting, getting the job. So wow. I was already, they said, well, you know, you got to be in Taiwan for, for this and for the interview. And I said, I live there. I'm yeah. from Arizona and I live here and I might as well take it, you know? Right. It was just like a match made in heaven. It was like a match made in heaven. Yeah. Finding that just yeah in the newspaper, yeah. which, which it, is it, really dating yourself well, by the way. Well, <laughs> never thought of that yeah <laughs> well but you know it's really weird because they said that they had they'd publicized it in taiwan but only in the the chinese chinese language newspapers so if i had stayed here i wouldn't have seen it because i don't read the 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 chinese newspapers over here mm. i mean everybody was reading the now i'm really dating myself everybody was reading the china post mm. um but it wasn't listed there so yeah Wow. Serendipitous, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So then you came back with that job and then you kind of stayed well, in that role? Well, I, I had to come back over here for the interview. So you, you came back without even having the job in hand? Yeah. Yeah. But I knew it was coming back anyways because my house and everything else was here. So if I'd actually found a job over there, I would have needed to to come back over here and pack up everything and yeah. ship it back over there. Sort of like extricate yourself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is, yeah, this is, this is perfect. Okay. Yeah. 
So then you got the job, and then you kind of stayed in that role for however long? Uh, till like 1990, oh, till, not 1990, till like 2007. 2007. Yeah, um, and I was working for the state of Arizona and mm-hmm. representing for trade and investment. How was for, that? For Asia, for, oh, it was great, for, yeah. for all of Asia, and all of Asia included like like the Middle East. Oh, wow. So I mean, if you go to like the region. APEC- Mm-hmm. APEC, they consider Asia to be India, Middle East, all these kind of kind of places. So, I mean, I actually, I actually went to like the Maldives Islands, working for the state of Arizona, and Sri Lanka, working for the state of Arizona, Singapore, places uh, like that. Yeah, Japan, it was uh, great. When you say working for the state of Arizona, you don't really think about you know a job that would take you to all these different places. That's yeah, but cool. but it was trade and investment, right? Right. So we were trying to put the Arizona brand out there. Come invest in Arizona, buy Arizona products. Mm-hmm. Um, we were not about reverse trade per se. If if like uh, it's it's like your dad, right? I mean, he works for he works for 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 trade and investment, and if if it has like fifty percent product or more. For, for us and and we can help them to acquire products so that they can maintain at least 50 percent without going over it. yeah we'd do that too okay very nice it was interesting yeah yeah it sounds really interesting so then how were the ties between arizona and taiwan like were they strong or <sighs> remember you, like, barry goldwater yeah well yeah i remember barry goldwater well barry goldwater was one of the people that was sticking up for taiwan at the time when when they were pulling him out of the UN and he was one of the people that was absolutely insisting on the the Taiwan communications yeah the three communiques the, uh, not the three communiques the 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 letter the letter that puts the unofficial ties together i can't remember what it's called between oh, between the USA and and Taiwan, and, and Taiwan. Mm-hmm. yeah he was one of the strong defenders of Taiwan and he you know he's from Arizona he's the Arizona senator so mm-hmm. yeah they they were I mean not so much anymore. I don't think the the generations today really remember Barry Goldwater per se. But they might know who he is, but not in relation to yeah. uh, Taiwan. Yeah, like his relation to Taiwan. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean I didn't know that, so well, I guess he case, was case in point. Yeah, yeah, he was he was uh, he was pretty much a strong defender of Taiwan or the Republic of China. Mm-hmm. You might say, um, especially when when. The Republic of China was being asked to leave the UN. Okay. So then how did you uh, transition to owning this company, the Miali, or starting up this company, Miali Wind Company? Okay. Well, I didn't start this company. You kind of bought it over, right? Yeah. Um, we have a team of investors. The investors are from uh, Australia and uh, Japan. And I, again, serendipitous, right? There was uh, there's a gentleman that I run with. Who works for a headhunter agency, and and he called me one day and he said, "Hal, I know you have a power background, and there's this company from Australia that bought um, this wind farm, and they're looking for a commercial manager, and you 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 got to teach me everything you know about wind power, um, so that I can go out and find a manager for this thing." And I talked to him probably for a good 45 minutes to an hour explaining this and this and this and this and this is what you'd want to look for. And he wasn't getting it. He mm-hmm. just wasn't catching on. So I just said, 
give him my resume. Let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. So we did. And two days later, I got this call to, and it said, come on over for an interview with this uh, Australian investment group. So I did. And then they said, well, tomorrow morning, we're going out to the wind farm. Uh, we'd like you to, to, to tag along. So I'm thinking it's still part of the interview process. Mm-hmm. He said, we're taking a whole board of investors out to the wind farm. I said, okay. So pretty intense interview right there. It was pretty intense interview, but as it turned out, it wasn't an interview. They had already decided to hire me. I see. <laughs> and so when I'm on this tour, they said, so you're, you're our new commercial manager, right? And I'm like, it's news to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that's me. <laughs> okay. And they're asking me all these technical questions about this, this machine and what's this and what's this. And, and did you know that just based off your background in, in nuclear power? Well, or was it like a like? Did you have to study for that or like? No, um, I mean power. The way power is generated, the, the, the generators and stuff like that. It, it's pretty. It's fairly consistent. But uh, the night before the the tour, I went online and looked up the company who makes these turbines, and I studied as much as I could about these particular turbines mm. uh, before the tour started. So I mean, I figured at least if I did that, I I would. Hopefully, probably know a little bit more than than investment people, right? Yeah, and okay. you know the questions were directly in line with with what I hope they would be. Okay, what's that little thing spinning around on the top, and how fast do these things turn, and how much power do they make? And yeah, okay, it, it went pretty well. Yeah, then we came back to Taipei, and they said, uh, "Okay, this is your office in this building," and I'm like, "Oh, okay." Huh? <laughs> yeah. And this is after you left the uh, the trade office, the Arizona well, trade office. Arizona actually left. Uh, they actually left Taiwan. They, they, the the Arizona legislature decided to close down the Arizona Department of Commerce, and in doing so, they shut down all of their international offices. So they actually left us. I see. Yeah. Okay. And how long was the gap between that and you uh, receiving this position? Uh. I was I was still working in the office. We'd picked up what they call uh, uh, an offset project through Mitsubishi. Mm. Um, you'd have to look up offsets, but we were doing contract work for Mitsubishi, helping them uh, spend their offset dollars in Taiwan, doing training for TPC and the EPA, things like that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was about environmental projects that we were presenting to the EPA uh, and to Thai Power. And I, I was happy doing that. We were happy doing that. And then I got this call to say, can you help me? And I ended up taking the job. I st- we're, I'm still working in the same building as where my original office is, Taipei World Trade Center. Yeah. I just I just moved the office down the, down the, down the hall a little bit. Really? Just stayed there, yeah. Okay. Well. They wanted to put me in this office um, someplace over on Bada Road. And for the same size space that I have now, they were asking 157,000 NT a month. Jesus. Exactly. Yeah, that's a lot. Exactly. (laughs) I'm like, but it's a small 14-ping space. And they said, well, you're only paying for this much for the space. But you have to pay for all the common space too. And I'm like, I convinced my company we could be in the Taipei World Trade Center where they have parking and they have, you know, everybody knows where it is and it's a great location and it's yeah. like 25000 a month. And they said, move. Yeah, <laughs> said, absolutely. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Okay. 
and just closer and, to other, you know, to yeah. other trade organizations and agencies. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you know, I mean, they have they they still have so many of the of the foreign offices in there. Oman is in there, Thailand's in there, Chile's in there, Bolivia's in there. Yeah, so why not? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so could you tell me a little bit about the the company? Like, so you have twenty five wind turbines, yes, uh, and and you generate uh, forty nine thousand eight hundred kilowatt hours. Uh, yeah, that's you, that's our that's our potential. Potential. Okay. Could yeah. you put that into perspective? You know, potential and how much that is. Like, okay. You know, in, in, each, in everyday terms, each turbine can generate two thousand kilowatts. Um, one of the turbines will generate one thousand eight hundred. But that's just because we have a manual setting on it. We our, our license is only for forty nine thousand eight hundred kilowatts, and that has to do with the EPA rules at the time. Mm. So we could not we could not exceed uh, fifty thousand under the existing uh, EPA rules at the time. Mm-hmm. So at the time that when was that? Uh, it was originally built in two oh six. So I'm sure the whole EPA process was 204, 205, like that. Okay, okay. and yeah. it's and it stayed with that. Um, yeah, those regulations it has been, um, I guess. Uh, yes, amended. Well, since. it hasn't been. We asked if we could do it, and they said, if you want to do it, you have to go through the whole EPA process again. Yeah, we said it's just it's just not worth it. Right, it's just not worth it. So not for 200 kilowatts, and. When I say 50,000 50, total kilowatts, right, um, one turbine at full power can can supply enough electricity for maybe 2,800 Taiwan homes on, uh, for an average electric use. Right. And we say average – it averages – we say averages in like in Miaoli or, or Holong where we're located is maybe 0.7 kilowatts per hour on the average – so 15, 17 kilowatts total a day. You can go look at your bill. It's probably even someplace close to that. Mm-hmm. So at full power, we can do about 2,800 homes from from you know from one from from one wind turbine. Yeah. Okay. From one from one wind turbine. And you have 25 of them. And we have 25 of them. So I mean, what are we looking at? 33, 34,000 homes if we are at full power. Right. If the wind is blowing at full power, what if the wind isn't blowing? Uh, or like, what's the discrepancy between potential and actually generated? Uh, we energy? we we call that our capacity factor, mm-hmm. and our capacity factor we average about thirty percent. So if it so on the average, if we could do two thousand, so we're averaging what six hundred kilowatts per hour is the average, mm-hmm. and. That's really something that's you got to keep in mind for for the government's plans to you know build twenty percent of grid capacity using alternatives. Mm. So just because we say we're two thousand, when the wind is full is full, which it very very seldom is, uh, we can do two thousand kilowatts or fifty thousand forty nine thousand. Just say fifty thousand total. Mm-hmm. But if the wind is is down. Obviously, the power drops. Right. And if we're averaging 30% out of 50,000, what's that? Uh, much less. Much less. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and that's that's the average. But if you get into the summertime when you really need the electricity, mm-hmm. there's no wind. 
Really? If you go out there today, there's there's very, very little wind. If you're blowing at four four meters per second or five meters per second, you're generating next to nothing. Full power is 13 meters per second, wind speed. Mm. Uh, four or five meters per second, you you might be generating 100. Okay. 100 kilowatts per turbine. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're in the middle of summertime and you've got all these all these turbines out in the middle of the ocean and they're in a generating 10%. Let me let me give you a perspective. You take the Monson nuclear station where I worked. Mm-hmm. There's there's two reactors out there. Each one generates 1000 megawatts per hour. What they generate in 3 days takes us 1 year to generate. On the average. So Mm -hmm. they do it in three days. If you want to shut those things down, how many wind turbines do you really need? Uh, A buttload, I guess is a (laughs) scientific term. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, because if you're at full power, if you're at full power, uh, that's 2,000. That's 2,000. These new things off of shore, they're they're like five megawatts a piece at full power. So, you know, five megawatts into 2,000, how many you need? Like 800 or something? Yeah. So you're kind of making the case against having your wind farm. Oh, no. I think I think wind energy is great. It's great. And it's not dependent. Or it's not reliable. It's, it's not, reliable not as reliable as it as it is, as it should be. Mm. You I guess what I'm trying to say is you cannot completely depend on renewables to fill the void for fossils at at this point in our lives. Right. Yeah. At this point in our lives. If you want to shut down Nuke stations, uh, that's that's up to them. That's up to the government. Uh, but to say you're going to do it with renewables, you would probably need about 4,000 wind turbines offshore to replace one nuclear power station. Reliably. Reliably, yeah. Reliably. And if they do generate, uh, let's say that, like the wind is at full bore and yeah. they do generate uh, to their full capacity. Yeah. Are there any like battery systems or like systems where they can store the energy no. uh generated no everything goes directly to the grid i see everything at least everything that we generate now goes on to the grid all of these solars that are generated everything goes on to the grid i don't know of any real storage systems um commercial storage systems in taiwan at this time isn't that a necessity because like in the summertime wind power is less Energy consumption is is much higher because of AC and all yeah. these other things. Yeah. How do you uh, ameliorate that? How do you how do you address that issue? But there's no there's no reliable, cost effective storage systems that are available hmm. commercially. I mean, when I lived in Arizona, they they had they had storage energy storage systems, mm-hmm. but it was lakes. In the in the in the in the daytime, they use hydro. They'd, they'd go from one lake through the hydro system down into the next lake, which was a hydro, down into the next lake. And then at night, they turn the, the, the hydro generators into pumps. And they'd they use the, the nuclear power station sitting out in the desert, which, were, which they wanted to keep at 100%. And they turned them into pumps and pumped the water back up, back up to the top. Mm. So it's like energy storage. That, that's how they stored the energy. But batteries... Uh, expensive, short life. It, it's just not there yet, Alex. Okay. So then how is business then? So you sell the energy uh, that you 
that you create to Thai Power to TPC, right? To TPC. How's that been? Like, have you like recouped your initial investment? Because wind turbines are expensive to uh, to implement, right? Yeah, basically, when the investor puts money into it, um, they put a certain amount of mo- their money into it, and then they then local banks like to be involved, and they like to put their money into it, and everything is typically based on twenty years. So they really don't look at how quickly do I get back my money. They know that the investment is a 20-year investment. Our power purchase agreement from Thai Power is a 20-year power purchase agreement. Uh, they give us a set rate for that lasts for 20 years. Mm. And Thai Power is gold. I mean, they're gold. You generate the power. You send them the bill. In fact, a lot of times they send us a bill. They send us their bill and said, this is what we generated. This is what we're going to pay you. And they pay on time. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, everything is, is generated and we we collect the bills, the invoices, and maybe it's about 14, 15% return annually. Okay. It's not bad, right? That's not bad at all. Yeah. One big, uh, I guess, criticism or drawback is that whether wind farms are cost competitive with, you know, other like fossil fuel systems and so we are cheaper than almost every other form of power being generated in taiwan mm. we don't get any subsidies we on really? sh- we onshore do not get any subsidies okay mm-hmm. you start building these wind farms offshore they will receive subsidies right why is that because it's more it's more expensive to to implement yes it's okay. a lot more expensive to build offshore turbines than onshore turbines okay uh there's a lot more technical headaches you might say right well obviously yeah you build out about in the sea i guess yeah yeah. and so they're offering like double double the rate to them for offshore for offshore yeah okay and i mean taiwan what's your electricity rates over here like 3.2 or 3.3 nt per kilowatt or something Mm -hmm. the offshore guys are getting what like 5.7 or something like that per kilowatt is that sustainable or is that like why 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 is that something that the government is is uh is pursuing is it just because they want to get rid of nuclear and transition to renewable energies they want to transition to renewable energies and they are the Taiwan government is trying to just just like the solar industry Taiwan has a solar industry they build solar panels and inverters converters in Taiwan but as of today, they do not build wind generators. Taiwan is trying to build an, uh, a wind generator, offshore wind generator industry. So, and they, they realize that the offshore costs are much, much higher. They have to, they have to build offshore to, to increase the wind capacity and to build the, the industry up so that they have to offer a subsidy that the government will pay for. Right. Um, it's just an investment into the future, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I guess you'd have to look at it like that. Yeah. The The offshore industry is far, far, far from where it should be, where they want it to be today. Mm. I mean, they want to have a 20% renewable grid by 2025. In order to meet the offshore wind goals, they would really need to start building maybe 100 turbines a year, starting like last year. Right. And, and that's so not far, happen, right? well, like so far, we have two. Right. They want to build their own typical the 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 rotor, the stator, the actual generator part in Taiwan. Uh, 
Right now, Siemens is the only one that's going to be supplying offshore generators. You you take a company like Teco, T-E-C-O. Mm-hmm. They, they can build generators that are maybe, I don't know, one megawatt, maybe smaller. And when you try to jack that thing up to five megawatts and – each one of those things are like 80 tons or more of copper and they're for offshore wind generators. That technology is is not here. And and somebody like Siemens or Mitsubishi or GE would have to come in and, and teach them how to build them. And it's going to take several years for them to, to nail down that technology. It, mm. that, that part's not here yet. They want to build blades. Um, they're not building blades now. They don't have a blade factory set up here. Nobody's given them that technology. Hopefully, see, this is why I think they're offering subsidies is they want to be able to develop this industry and they have to encourage offshore offshore production to do that. We They need a place to build more turbines uh, and, and lots of them so that we can build the industry and hopefully export the industry. Is Taiwan like kind of – Playing catch up though with the rest of the world, or because for, for, these... for offshore industry, yes, yeah, we've got mm-hmm. nothing. We really have nothing. We don't. We to build. You think about it. You want to build an offshore wind turbine. Um, you have to. You have to put the tower, and that tower has to go into the seabed. And in order to do that and lift this tower up straight, you need a very special boat. It's a boat that has legs, like fifty meter legs. We don't have those here. Yes, there's there's certain European companies that have these boats, but they're using them in Europe. So mm. the one that they had here was was difficult to get in, get, difficult to use. They built the wind turbines, two of them. They they've got them operating. But even the boats and the service boats and the, even the technicians, you need how many technicians? Hundreds. That that, that part's not there yet. Right. So it's it will be hopefully a a growing industry, but to say that we want to use it as a reliable power base by 2025, we're not going to make that at, at our current pace. Or at current our current rate. pace. Okay. But I mean, I am not. I'm certainly not against it. I just, I just, hopefully, we can develop this industry um, at a reasonable pace. And it would be nice, just like in the aircraft industry and everything. We we they want to build aircraft, they want to build helicopter, they want to build. They buy technology to come into Taiwan and and develop it. That's what they want to do with the wind. They have to work on it. We're we're, we're they are working towards it. It's just not there yet. Right. Okay. Uh, so I mean, all of these things, all these challenges and problems and everything, it's because wind energy and renewable energies is good for the planet, right? That- you know, I did this estimation the other day, and uh, we have generated our our little wind farm. We've generated about one point seven five billion kilowatts over the maybe thirteen years we've been in operation, and in Taiwan, the estimate is. Uh, about 0.65 uh, kilograms of carbon is generated for every one kilowatt of power generated. So if we've if we've generated like what I say 1.75 billion kilowatts of power, it means we've eliminated about 
1.2 billion uh, kilograms of carbon from the air. 1.2 billion. Yeah, kilograms. So you work that out, that's like what, 1.2 million tons of carbon from our little power station? Yeah. I mean, it's not huge, but it's not insignificant. Right, yeah. And you you stop to consider, I mean, we have maybe 400 total wind turbines in Taiwan, and we're only 25. Right. Between Thai Power and the the couple other um, privately owned, mm-hmm. so if you can extrapolate our twenty our twenty five for one point two billion tons and multiply it out times times uh, you know, sixteen or something like that, yeah, yeah. I mean, now we've eliminated like sixteen million tons of carbon from the air, so it's not insignificant. Then mm-hmm. you take in solar, and solar's growing in Taiwan. Right, Taiwan has a good growing solar industry. Mm-hmm. Because Taiwan Gets builds solar, well, not as much as you think, oh, and right. and but we have a solar industry. We build solar panels in Taiwan, mm-hmm. so we have a solar industry here. Okay, very cool. Yep, and hopefully that number continues to rise, right? Like because with with all the expansion of the offshore wind farms and everything, and maybe the shutdown of. Uh, coal and nuclear power yeah. plants here. Have you been down to Taichung recently? I have not. I've heard it's horrendous. The pollution uh, there. I've I've been talking with the uh, economic development uh, minister, minister, what do they call him? General director, mm-hmm. director general of economics for Taichung. Mm-hmm. And Mayor Lin is really adamant about trying to shut down as much coal fire facilities as possible. Mm-hmm. He's really wants to build more wind at in Taichung, and he's really looking at building more wind at the Taichung port. Mm-hmm. And it's I something see. that we're very interested in doing. Right. Okay, yeah. So your so your company is looking to expand. Yep, we're looking to. Have expand. you guys expanded since you've uh, since consumption? No. Okay. No. Um, I think we we should have, but so far we haven't. We've been working on a plan to to build more units in uh, Zhonghua, Zhonghua County. Mm-hmm. Um, we're working on a plan to build more in. Um, hopefully, hopefully we can we can go into the bid for for Taichung Port, and we want to maybe repower where we are now, tear down the old ones, put up new ones. Mm, I see. Okay, can you walk me through the process of like putting in a bid for for one of these places, like trying to. Yeah, trying to win a bid to create a wind farm. Um, we well for 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 um, Taichung Port, mm-hmm. we turned in a concept um, proposal. Uh, we 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 sat down with the Taichung Port people, and we said, "Okay, you guys want to put in a new wind farm? I understand that we want to put in a new wind farm." They said, "Yeah, but." At least for Taichung, the, the one that we're going through. But there's a catch. What's a catch? Well, we have all of the approval stamps except one. And that one belongs to the construction planning division, which is controlled by the mayor. Mm. I'd say, okay, well, why is that a problem? Well, because the mayor, he, he knows he needs wind farms, but he doesn't just want wind farms. He wants some kind of entertainment value to be to be added to the wind farms. So we had to build a project proposal that not only included wind farms, but 
as we include as we build wind generators, how are we going to use those to attract tourism to the Taichung port? Mm. Yeah, kind of a difficult process. But we we presented ideas to them that I'd really not like to talk about too much. But one of our ideas was, I'll, I'll tell you, they have like a what they call entertainment property over there. So we we came up with the idea of doing two things. Um, how about if we built an electric go kart track over there, and then because it's electric, we can we can make it look like we're supplying electricity from our wind turbine into the electric go kart tracks. We would. I'm trying to get with um, with uh, Gogoro. I'd love to use Gogoro technology for for building for building uh, electric carts. Mm. There's technology for electric carts that are like in Denmark and Sweden, places like that. But you want to keep it local. I want to keep it local. And I told the I told Mr. Lee, the economics uh, director general, that I'd like to build. They have this sand area, and I said I'd like to build like off-road tracks in there, and then I want to take these little electric motorcycles, like the little off-road motorcycles, like mm-hmm. little bitty four-wheel things. They're not ATVs. They're motorcycles. They're four-wheeled. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to leave those at the electric go-kart track, and then people can rent them and drive them around into the off-track area. And he's like, that's absolutely perfect because we actually build those here in Taichung. There you go. There you go. Some synergy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So he was pretty excited about that idea. Mm-hmm. We, I thought it was kind of far-fetched, but he just, like, jumped on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we can do that. I showed him pictures, people riding these go-kart, these little motorcycles, around right, yeah. these little off-road tracks and he he loved it he loved it he absolutely so cool. loved it and so he so his mind was like yes he wants the power generation but he also wants something for the community yes is that usually the case like how like and because you know communities wind generation and wind farms are really great in theory right but then nobody wants that wind farm in their community they'd rather but have it somewhere that's, else but that's not the case that we have in Miaoli County we mm-hmm. we're in we're in Miaoli County we're in Holong mm-hmm. and we have this hilltop I don't know if you've ever been there or not. They call it Hawangjiao. I haven't. No. Cape of Good Hope. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a huge tourist location, and seriously, every week there's thousands of tourists that come up there. After we built three turbines up there up there on that hill, we obviously had to flatten the land, build the roads, and so the community said, "Can we use your wind park, your wind area, to build a park?" Sure, why not? So they 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 put in these nice little stylish bricks. They put in some observation decks, and when you go up there, the view is stunning. And so so far, we've we've added a big bus parking lot up there, three car parking lots, three three additional car parking lots, and motorcycle parking. And the reason they like it is the local and Lizang built this whole area out. All of the locals like to come up there. And sell their farm goods. So there's vendors everywhere. You go up there on a busy weekend and the whole road, the whole access road is lined with vendors. Peanuts and digua, um, sweet potatoes mm-hmm. and juices, locally made juices and sweet beans and everything else that you can think of that's grown in Miaoli area. They sell up there. So it's become like a local gathering place, like a farmer's market. Yes, it's like a farmer's market. And the tourists come up there, and it works. They like it. They 
don't want us to go. And if they're, even when something happens, they will call us and say, hey, your turbine's not working. What's going on? Yeah. So it's kind of integrated itself into the community and the communities, I guess, accepted it. Uh, was that uh, through any of your doing? Were there any initiatives to drum up interest or get the community to, to be more involved with the wind farm turbines area? Uh, I think we, we've we always had an initiative that we want to involve the locals as, as much as possible. Um, if you if you go down there, you'll see that probably eighty percent of our wind wind farm wind tower access roads have been turned into bike paths. So the, the Miali County government said, "Can we take your these access roads that we make, and can we pave them and turn them into bike paths?" And we're like, "Yeah, sure, go for it." Um, we try to hire locals to do the jobs that our normal wind turbine company can't do. The line repairs, the road repairs, uh, you know, cutting the grass. We 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 hire a, a groundskeeper. We actually, believe it or not, we have a farm up there, a real farm at the wind farm. Whoa! Yeah. What do you guys grow or have? We grow. What do they call it? Chong, the the, the like the like the onions, mm-hmm. the the we call them green onions mm-hmm. and swamiao, and we grow sweet potatoes and peanuts and cabbage and cauliflower and asparagus. Wow! And, yeah, That's used, so cool. Yeah, so we we grow all this stuff, and then um, when possible, we will bring up local schools or school kids. They come up there, and we will. We will give them a presentation about wind turbines. We'll take them over to the to a wind turbine. We'll open the door and let them look inside. We put on the climbing gear on them and the hard hats, and we take pictures of these kids. If you go up there, you'll notice that the main turbine tower has been painted. We let the kids come up there and paint a a, a energy efficient design of what they wanted on the side of the tower. So yeah, we we encourage them to come up. And I bring that up because, especially kids from Taiwan, from Taipei, we take them to the farm and we show them how things are grown. Because, I mean, kids have no idea how peanuts are grown or, or sweet potatoes are grown or where cabbage comes from. They're not exposed to that. They're not exposed to it. Living in the city. So we try to, you know, we can integrate power with what you eat. We we can, we can combine use make it better for the community plus we use it as as training right wow it's fun and then we'll bring the vegetables back up to taipei and give them away give them away we give them away all right nice why not the hard part for me is every time i go up there to the hilltop you know where all the farmers markets are because i have to go up there and check out the turbines and and make sure everything's okay they all know me Mm. so the first thing they do is stand in the middle of the road with their bags of peanuts or or bags of sweet potatoes or some kind of juice drink and you have to buy, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. They know you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to represent. So, seriously, seriously, Alex. It cost me five or six hundred NT a week to go up and visit my wind farm. <laughs> it's like community relations. They're happy. I'm happy. They look after our wind farm. They look after our wind farm. We take we we take a lot of pride in servicing them and and they they work with us so it's it's good it works okay nice but so what what are some of the challenges that you faced when installing and operating the wind farms though um rain obviously heavy rains 
can, if the rains can get into the wind turbine, they'll find their way into the wind turbines, shut you down. Is that during construction or is that no. still still an issue? It's still an issue. It's an ongoing issue. Uh, the wind company, our wind turbines from this company is the first time that they've wandered out of Europe. It's their first it's their first tropical location. So, you know, they built the they built the houses on top out of fiberglass. Mm-hmm. And as it ages and as the wind blows, it there's little cracks and things in it. Not cracks, but this but the joints in the joint ceiling has a tendency to come apart, so it allows water sometimes to leak in. Okay. Uh they're finding ways to to get around that. But typhoons, we always have to put up with typhoons. Right. Um We've never had a single incident on our wind turbines with typhoons. Have not? Never. Okay. It's just so every so often, something <laughs> will get into one of the turbines. Well, yeah. And, you know, we have to put up with earthquakes. We've never had a problem with earthquakes. Mm. It's just water. When we have low power, low wind and heavy rain, typically if you have high power and heavy rain, the generator is really hot. So any water gets in just psh, flashes off right but sometimes water gets in and then we have to go in and dry it shut you down for a couple of days we can go in and dry it and Mm -hmm. get back into operation again right it's just rain 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 is our biggest and rust and rust rust from rain well the rust from the ocean because we're right on the ocean right Ah, of course the the heavy the heavy winds coming off of the sea and and blowing blowing salt air into our turbines and on our stairs and inside so it's a constant battle of cleaning and replacing. We've never had any big technical parts damaged by the rust, but, you know, like carbon seal things, the stairways leading up to it, and some of the hold-down brackets we have to replace. Okay. It's just, it's a constant battle. And sand. Sand. We have a constant battle with sand. The tributary where we're located, <clears throat> it's a tidal area. And... When the water goes out and the wind's blowing heavy, it dries off the surface really quick. And then all the sand blows up onto our access road. So it's a constant battle with sand, removing sand. Huh. Just things you never ele- think about, right? Yeah, it's just the elements, right? It's, it's just the elements. Not really it's, the technical it's, aspect. It's just, you know, <coughs> life sorry. time. Yeah. No it's, just, it's just dealing with the elements. Okay. And it's fun. And it's a challenge. And, and even our wind, our wind turbine provider, they've learned a lot. Just because we were the first, um, they've learned a lot how to overcome some of these. Like, like I was talking about rain. Well, they've they've redesigned the housing to go from fiberglass to to uh, aluminum, so that it, it bolts together and stays stays close. So they eliminated that problem. Hmm. It's just we're the first. Right. We were the first of their of their brand over here. Um, Ty Power has problems, obviously. With with certain aspects, everybody, hey, every power, every company has problems with technology. So yeah. that's just pointing out some of the problems that we have mm-hmm. that we have to deal with. Okay. Right. So what are your what are the future plans of the Miali Wind Company? Uh, we want to we want to repower where we are now. In other words, these things are they're smaller compared to the new technology. We can we want to put in. Uh, newer turbines that are actually operate. They're little. They're bigger, but they act, they operate quieter. We want to we want to put in more over there. We want to expand, hopefully, into the Taichung port. Uh, we're well on the way to getting approval for building in Tai uh, Zhonghua, which we'd really like to do. 
Um, we're kind of maybe thinking along the way of of getting into solar. We want to stay renewables. Right. We want to stay renewables. So we're looking at different aspects. You want to diversify. Yeah. Okay. And I, I don't know if you call him an agent, but the guy who works for the turbine supplier has been looking at some sites down in the, the Kenting area. You've been down to Kenting? I have not, unfortunately. You've never been to Kenting? Never been to Kenting, yeah. Oh well, anyway, there's a there's a mountain range um, where the mountain range kind of kind of dips down as it goes up the island, and it just allows these huge winds to come around the over the mountain and around the end, and it just blows through this little valley, mm. and it's just a constant wind. They had a golf course down there, had to close down the golf course because <laughs> the golf balls get blown away. Right. There's only certain times of the year that they could use the airport down there, the Hunchuan Airport. Mm-hmm. You ever heard of the Hanchuan Airport? I have heard of that, yes. But have you ever heard it being used? <laughs> no. There's a reason it for that. Closed down, yeah. Yeah, because of the wind. I see. So the wind, but it's get... perfect for wind farms. It's like a natural, uh, I guess, a wind. It's, wind, it's uh, a wind, wind tunnel. tunnel. Yeah. yeah, and and that's, I mean, when I lived down there in the '80s, and I'd go running down down that road. There's just certain spots that you just said, God, it'd just be great to put like a wind fan right right in this area and just generate lots of power. Right. And okay. now. It looks like it's going to be actually happen. Very cool. It'll be good. Yeah. Put in another 50 or 60 turbines down there. Mm-hmm. There's room. Okay. So would you say the future is bright in terms of uh, in terms of wind power here in Taiwan? Because you, because you did say you are skeptical about the 2025 you know, target. I'm, I'm skeptical about the offshore, okay? Um, I'm not a big fan of offshore just because of all the – related problems that it has right now. And I really think that we should be concentrating a lot more for onshore because it's much cheaper and it's much, much, much more reliable at this point. So I'm optimistic that I, I think I'm becoming more optimistic now that that people are starting to refocus on for onshore wind. But Alex, it has to be done right. We have to work if we're going to put them over here, we know that it's going to impact people's lives. So we have to work with the communities, just like the mayor. He wants something that will bring entertainment value. Okay, we'll work on that. Just like Hao uh, Wangjiao up on the hill. We have to learn to cooperate with the local community. We have to integrate them into what we want to do. Um, if it can benefit them through some kind of employment or th- increased tourism. However it is, we have to learn to integrate with the local communities to put up wind. That's that's a fact. Mm-hmm. If we just tell them to, we're just going to put it up and buzz off, yeah, it ain't going to work. Right. So, yeah. There's got to be some synergy going on. Yeah, you got to have that. Yeah, that's a good word, synergy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, thanks, Hal, for coming on the show. And uh, it's been great. It's been a pleasure. Always. My pleasure. That was my conversation with Hal Falls, General Manager of the Miali Wind Company. A big thank you to Hal for coming on the show. And if you like this podcast, please feel free to check out another ICRT news program offering, Taiwan This Week. Every Friday, a panel of guests discusses news from and about Taiwan from the past seven days. And that's it for this week's Taiwan Talk. I'm Alex Lewis.